Hello, welcome to the bittersweet life. If you're new to the show, stop and go back to the beginning. Travel and being an expat, as you know, is all about the journey. So don't miss the journey. Go back and look for the first show, Outset. And for those of you who have been listening all along, we've entered the modern world and we are now on Twitter at bittersweetpod. We also are in a time of transition. The costs of this show, unfortunately, have doubled this year to host it online. So if you love the show, help us keep it alive by giving us a small donation. There's a donate page at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. Whatever you can give is welcome, and we will be sending you a personal note in response. If you don't have any money to lend your support, support us in other ways. Rate us on iTunes. Send us an email to bittersweetlife at mail.com. Share your ideas, your thoughts, the topics you'd like to hear. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And we join you again from across the ocean. We are talking to you. I guess not, I can't even say it that way. How should I introduce this from now on? We are coming to you from two nearly opposite points of the globe. Yes. So as we're recording, it is... Nearly 10 a.m. where I am in Seattle. And what time is it there? It's almost 7 p.m. I wonder if the vibe of the show will sound different just because all of a sudden I'm recording in the morning and you're recording in the evening. I haven't even had yeah. breakfast yet. <laughs> if, or maybe our voices are different. You know, you've got them. Maybe you've got a thick morning voice. And, and I obviously have been awake for over 12 hours. Yeah, and we're obviously in different rooms. You're in your beautiful apartment in Rome that has no carpeting on the floors. And I'm in an incredibly carpeted apartment in, uh, that, in a very cold city right now. So there, there you go. Well, anyway, this is The Bittersweet Life. And we are uh, talking about the expat experience. Tiffany being the long-term expat and me no longer being an expat back in Seattle where I came from after spending a year in Rome. You're not right now, but you could be someday soon again, maybe, hopefully. Well, we all have the potential to be. Yes, it's That's true. true. It's true. Well, what I wanted to talk about today, and, I, and Tiffany has so nicely agreed, is about anxiety and the anxiety that comes from making giant life changes. Because a lot of what we talked about has been adventure and getting this message across of like, it's okay to let go of the rope and say goodbye to your old life and go try something new. And I still strongly believe that it is okay <laughs> to do that. <laughs> but it's not always easy to do. You give up a lot and there's a lot of personal self-adjustment that you have to do along the way. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's a stressful thing. I think it's one of the most stressful things. I mean, there's a few biggies out there. I think they say divorce, death, moving house moving to a different country is like the moving house stress but magnified by a hundred or a thousand right <laughs> <laughs> so i'm in the that doesn't mean it's not worth it obviously obviously i think it's worth it but um whenever i think about doing it again which as you know and as we've talked about in this podcast every so often generally when i'm walking down the street and almost get run over i have the urge to move abroad somewhere else it totally fills me, fills me with anxiety. I totally think, oh my God, will I be able to make it? Where do you, 
I mean, explain that more. Where do you think about going and what issues are actually coming up when you think about doing that? Well, probably the same exact issues that I stressed out about when I moved here. I don't have any plans at all to move in, in the near future. But I think about it and I think about places that I would like to go. And the south of France always pops up in my head because it's got a lot of the same, a lot of similar things to Italy that I love, like the great weather and a sort of Mediterranean way of life, laid back, enjoying life and not, you know, the workaholic Western, not Western world, but the workaholic, let's say Anglo-Saxon world. I love the language. It's a romance language like Italian. I love the art. It's very similar culturally to Italy, but it would be without all of the hellish Italian bureaucracy that is just absolutely soul crushing. So that's why I think about the south of France. Also, I just think France is a beautiful, it's a beautiful country. I don't like the food quite as much as I like Italian food, but I wouldn't complain. But what are you Yeah, anxious? I think about, okay, I, I don't really speak um, French that well. I can speak it some, but I'm definitely not fluent. So I think about, oh my gosh, how would it be, you know, in a new place and not being able to understand and missing things and having to, you know, go back to scratch and start over again. And I think about not knowing anyone. Obviously, if I go, it would be with my husband. But we wouldn't know anyone there. We'd have to start making friends again, trying to. Obviously, the job issue, terrifying. You know, we have no job prospects in the south of France. It's just sort of dream that I have. Not a dream. It's not a dream. But, you know, Italy was my dream. But it's definitely a temptation. But, all yeah, all of those same sort of things that I had coming here. Obviously, I don't have to deal with the whole legal aspect of it because... I'm now married to an Italian citizen, so I can live legally anywhere in Europe, which is fantastic. But everything else is the same. It's scary. It's much scarier, to be honest, at 37 than it was at 27. Why? I don't know. I think that, and this, you know, could be just social pressure. At 37, pressure's on to buy a home, have a family, have achieved a certain level of importance in your work, you know, some semblance of a career, which when you're in your mid-20s, and I consider 30, 27 to be mid-20s, <laughs> um, and I so, I so therefore I consider 37 to be mid-30s, but, you know, when you're in your mid-20s, yes, okay, you're out of school, you're hopefully working, but you don't, you know, nobody expects you to have this brilliant career yet at 27, there's people who do, but not a lot, especially these days. And, you know, no one expects you to have children yet. No one expects you to, I mean, you know, your mom might hope, but there's no like pressure to have children. There's no pressure to get married. And so you just have a different set of expectations on your shoulders. So you can have a little bit more freedom, I think. Hmm. Now, that's not to say that I think that you have to. I think that everyone has to take responsibility for their own personal freedom. And if you want to move abroad and you're 37 or 47, you should never let anything like that stop you. So I'm not saying, oh, you know, at 37, it's not going to be as easy. Because at the end of the day, it's probably going to be just as difficult or just as easy. But I think the pressure is at least what, what maybe might stop me from doing it again. Right. And you have another person with you now. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing. And most people, not most, but a lot of people by 37 also have little people around them that they have to think about. So when I was 27, clearly I had none of that and no husband, so no boyfriend even. So, so I could just do what I wanted to do. But in reality, 
you guys don't own an apartment yet, and you don't have any little kids. Nope. So with the exception of your vast book collection, which would be a total pain to move. Yes. And the piano. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> which I don't even know how you got it into your apartment in the first place right now. You are pretty untied down, with the exception that you actually have secure work right now. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the other big thing, is the secure work. It was one thing for me when I was living in Boston and teaching yoga freelance. You know, what was I giving up? Nothing. But now... I have a very stable but also quite gratifying job. I'm doing what it is that I love to do. My husband has a very stable job as well. And, you know, it gives us the opportunity to live at a certain level. Obviously, we're not rich, but we don't have to stress about getting to the end of the month. Whereas if we, you know, picked up and moved to France, we'd be like, oh, now what? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you do? I think we've mentioned it before, but... What well, I got? work for Wear Magazine, which is a tourist magazine. Well, it's a magazine for tourists, I should say, in English. It comes out every month. You know, we talk about art and dining options, shopping options, what to see, what to do, concerts, things like that. And I'm the head writer. And I guess I would say deputy editor is the official title. Yeah. And I mean, getting even off further off of our anxiety topic, which we sort of lightly touched on, and now we've drifted into our imaginations of what we could be. <laughs> you got <laughs> interviewed recently by the Travel Channel. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. What was that like? Uh, it was fun. It was very fun. It was a little bit tiring at moments because as anyone who's ever done any work in television or film knows that there's a lot of downtime when you're sort of waiting for everyone to get their stuff together. But it was basically a piece that uh, it's an outside production company that's producing it for the Travel Channel. And it's on five major cities, five or yeah, I think five major cities in the world, London, Rome, Paris, New York and San Francisco, I believe. And they're doing one hour long segment on each city. And uh, they came to Rome to film many different segments. My personal segment that I was contacted to contribute for was on the aperitivo, the art of aperitivo. So this Italian tradition of in the late afternoon, early evening, going out, getting a drink with your friends, sitting in a beautiful piazza and having some, a cocktail and some really good light food. And that's what it was about. And how did they find you? Um, they found me through another journalist friend of mine who is a television journalist and she's pretty important. She's pretty well known. She covers the Vatican and, and all sorts of things for the Associated Press. And she was contacted probably through her connections in television. Someone had her name somewhere. And so they contacted her and she just does not have time. And so she sent them to me. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was. They asked, "We need a, a knowledgeable woman who's also really pretty on film." Is that the criteria? That's exactly what they said. No, <laughs> no. I think that they wanted someone. The original plan was just about the piazza, piazza life, uh, and then it kind of turned into aperitivo in the piazza. So I guess you know she knows I'm a tour guide as well as being a writer. So I think that she thought I would have I would have something to say. And did you? Yeah, I did. Actually, I ended up taking three friends along. Too bad you weren't here. I would have brought you. And they said, you know, we want after the interview, we want to, we want to just film you having a aperitivo with your friends. So, you know, obviously it was not difficult to get three friends to come and have free aperitivo. But then they decided to interview all four of us. And I felt kind of bad because one of my friends is Italian who I brought. And she speaks English, but, you know, not 
let's say not as well as I speak Italian. And if I were to be interviewed on television in Italian, even though I speak it really well, I would be terrified. And so I have to really give it to her because she did an amazing job. It was very fun. So hopefully that'll be out. If you, I think it's called Metropolis. The whole series is called Metropolis. If it's available by the time this episode comes out, we'll just put a it link. It could be. We'll put a link yeah, on the website. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. That's very exciting. Did they do your hair and makeup and all that stuff? No, unfortunately, we didn't get any of that VIP treatment. But, oh. uh, but we got tons of free drinks and free food. Do you see yourself going in that direction? If you could, getting into more multimedia, professional tour guide type of stuff? I have to say that until recently, I never, I never thought that I would be interested in that in video. It just wasn't my thing. But I think that it's just another way to communicate with people. I'm kind of an old-fashioned person in the sense that I like to write letters. I like to do things the old-fashioned way. I, yes, I have a smartphone, but I got it grudgingly. I don't read ebooks. I have to have the actual physical book with me. So I've always kind of held on to the idea of print media. My magazine is in print, and I love the fact that it's in print. Eventually, everything's just going to be video. There's not going to be any blogs. It's all going to be video. And that terrifies me. And I'm like, oh, but I, you know, I love to write because, I mean, that's what I do. I write. And so if I think if everything becomes video, either I'm going to do it too or I'm going to be screwed. So I guess I don't really have a choice. Well, yeah. I mean, it would all, I guess I, the reason I was tying it to tour guiding is just because what you've, you're slowly doing, whether you realize it or not, is you're becoming a specialized expert in a particular city. Where, in, I mean, even in the past, you had guidebooks calling on you and you'd write this magazine and now you're going to be on the travel channel. I'm just a hop, skip and a jump till Rick Steves calls you up and you're his professional tour guide in Rome or something like that. I don't know. Well, but. that would be awesome. So please, Rick Steves, if you're listening, call me. I'm also contributing to an app. Yeah. Which is, is really fun. It's called Voice Map. If anybody likes out there likes to travel. <laughs> Hopefully you do. Um, it's a really cool thing. They contacted me and what they do is they have a person who lives in a city, whether they are a tour guide by profession or simply a person who is passionate about their city and knows their city really well. And they come up with a little tour, a short tour of about 30 minutes, a walking tour, and they record it. They send it off and they basically plot on Google Maps the route of the tour. And then the tech people at this app put it all together. And if you are the customer, you buy this tour. Let's say you're going to be in um, Istanbul and you want to do this tour of whatever this area of Istanbul. You, you download this app or you have the app already, but you download the tour and you go to the spot and it works with GPS so that wherever you are, the right moment of the recording plays. And it's like you have your own personal tour guide there with you in your earphones and you just follow their voice and they tell you where to go and then they point things out and they talk about it. And I'm really excited to be part of this because I think it's a really interesting app. So it's called Voice Map, if anybody's interested. And what have you done so far? Trastevere in Rome? Yeah, so of course my neighborhood and Katie's neighbor, old neighborhood, Trastevere, uh, I did that. That was my starting thing. It's not quite done yet but I've written it and now I just have to do some editing and, and I have to record it which I haven't done yet but uh, but once that's done I send it off and then they do the rest that's pretty cool it, it, although it yeah puts so you, I guess I'm no go ahead it puts you in danger of being 
obsolete. <laughs> taking, taking, I'm taking business away from myself. You know, I think that the kind of person who downloads an app for five euros is not the same kind of person who spends 150 euros on a tour. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. It's just different people like to do things differently. And some people would feel really their style was being crowded. If, is that the expression? Cramped, sorry. They would feel like, you know, it was cramping their style to have a person there walking around with them. They want to be alone. They want to be with their partner. They don't want to have somebody else there. So I know there are people like that who really just don't want anyone else around. Or people that, quite frankly, don't have it in the budget to spend 150 or 200 euros. But they have it in their budget to spend five or six euros or dollars. So, you know, I don't necessarily think you're actually taking business away from yourself. Hopefully not. We'll find out. <laughs> it actually, well, it actually might bring me business because I do a 30-minute walk and the app, I think they have all my information. And so if somebody wanted to contact me through there to take a, a physical tour, I, I believe that they would be able to do that. So That's cool. Okay, so let's, let's forget. <laughs> let's get back to anxiety. No, let's forget anxiety. Let's <laughs> okay, all right. Forget it. We're going to change. I'm no longer change tax. Anxious. Good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See what happens when you talk to me? What's that? See what happens when you talk to me? I know. R- really. <laughs> Maybe it was just the compass of having you in my life that has been missing. No, let's let's forego that and we'll talk about it next week. And instead, let's talk about freelancing because I'm, we're also we're both doing this freelancing thing right now. I'm back in Seattle, but I have no official job. <laughs> so basically, all I'm doing is trying to get things going all the time and the tricky thing about freelancing is that you just have no idea some days if you're doing anything that's going to help you out in the long run you know what i mean like you'll have a really wonderful meeting you'll have a really wonderful meeting and then two days later nothing will have come of that meeting so you're you think well okay that didn't work but it's all about making these connections very slowly and i'm still in the process of letting people know i'm here You know, I'm back in the States and figuring out how I pitch different radio pieces to different public radio stations. And also in the mental debate of whether or not I want to be doing what I was doing before, which was producing daily radio on public radio. That was what I was doing before. And so there's that tension of not necessarily wanting to do that again, but that being like what you're most qualified for. So... Mm -hmm. In the meantime, I've just been in full-on creation mode of trying to create things that might sell, (laughs) basically. It is (laughs) anxiety-causing, so we could almost stay on the same subject. Um, I think the thing about freelancing is that everybody thinks that they want to be a freelancer, because you think, wow, I'm my own boss. I keep my own hours. If I want to go on vacation for a month, I go on vacation for a month. I can work from anywhere. But the reality of the situation is that you don't know if you're going to have a paycheck next month. And like you said, you can work for hours and hours and hours and days on a project that never sees the light of day. And that's just wasted time. So it's wasted the double-edged sword. No, okay. It's not wasted time. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. It's not totally wasted time, but it's definitely, if you need to pay the rent, it's, you know. It's wasted it's, time. It's kind of wasted time. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yes, I think at that's... least in the short run, in the short run, not necessarily in the long run. Right. Well, that's the thing, too. Estab- being an established freelancer, I think, would be a different thing. It's partly becoming the established freelancer. That's... Well, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the thing. You, Everyone has to go through that for sure, though. Right. You know, one of the things that's interesting, too, about freelancing that you wouldn't necessarily expect is that, uh, personally, at least, I miss working with other people, you know? Yeah. I th- I always think when I'm at my office, oh, my God, how would I love to work from home? I think that probably once a day. But in reality, I think you're right. I think I would go a little bit crazy if I was at home every day and not having those adult connections, like-minded people and people who you have stuff in common with. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because when I came from a newsroom setting where I was surrounded by different people who are creative and intelligent. And so even if I didn't work with them directly, there were a lot of people to bounce an idea off of. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Should I cover the story in this way? When you're freelancing, you can still do that. I reach out to people, old colleagues, with different ideas I have and ask them about it. But it's a little bit different than doing the casual lean over the cubicle wall and say, hey, what do you think about blah, whatever you're working on? Mm-hmm. It's it's different to just not have that easily accessible. And Claudio, Of course. <laughs> Claudio just got home, yeah. I can, I, can totally, I can totally see that. I've never had a job in which... I worked from home, so I've never been in a situation to find out how it feels. I've had like, let's say, two weeks off from my job in the summer, but I didn't go on vacation because my husband couldn't or whatever, so I stayed home and worked on my own stuff and my writing. It gets kind of lonely to be by yourself all day, and I only did it for two weeks, so... People who work from home definitely, they must have some way to deal with that. I don't know what that is, but they must have some kind of strategy to deal with that. <clears throat> One thing I was talking with a friend about the other day, she's a designer who's at home now because she has a young child. So she stays home with her every day. And we were talking about this idea where I just bring a computer to her house and work on editing tape or whatever while she just happens to be in the room working on whatever. That sounds good. That sounds really good. I mean, we're going to try it, but it could also be really distracting because you have a tendency to want to just chat when it's a good friend of yours. And of course, there's going to be a baby walking around saying funny things and, you know. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's all, there's also a certain amount of accountability. If there's somebody else there, you can't just be like, you know what, I think I'm just going to sit and read for an hour. If you're at home and no one is watching and you're really not feeling inspired, let's say, you're feeling blocked, oh, I'm just going to sit and read for an hour or I'm just going to watch a video on YouTube. If you're working with a friend, even if it's a close friend, you're going to kind of feel embarrassed to do that. You're probably not going to do it. That's possibly true. I'll have to let you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember our, our interview with Tony in Orvieto? Oh, yeah. She's a freelance writer and copy editor and maybe translator as well. And she said that she had some friends who worked in an office near her apartment and there happened to be an empty desk there. And she, they just would let her go and, and do her work there. She had her own computer. She didn't need what they had to offer except for a desk. And she just felt like it was easier for her to work in that setting than to work at her own place. Do you have any idea of 
how well she's doing as a freelancer? You know, I don't. I don't. I haven't. I actually haven't seen her since the day of our interview. So we'll have uh, to ask I, her. She can we'll email ask us. Her. Yeah. I know she's a listener. Tony if, you, Tony, if you're listening, if you're out there, give us a call. Tell us what you're up to. Yeah. Seriously. And I would also be curious just how she organizes what she's working on at any given time. How does she know when she has too few projects or too many? So I'm working on these shows, but the same friend of mine who suggested that I come over to her house said, perhaps you're going to have to focus on one of them or two of them instead of seven of them or whatever, <laughs> which is true. Like, I do need to eventually pick which ones are going to be good. Yes, I think you do need to focus. But I also know from myself that the more I have to do, the more I do, period. The more I'm able to organize my time better. If I know that I have three or four important things that I'm working on, I will get them done. Whereas if I have only one thing, it's very likely that I won't get it done. I don't know if you're like that or if that's just me. Well, that's interesting. Procrastination-wise, you mean. You'll think, well, I only have to write that one article, so I might as well read this book instead. Exactly. That is exactly it. Whereas when you know you have to do it, okay, I have to get up at five this morning, or maybe six, let's be more realistic. I have to get up at six because I only have time. You know, I know that at, at nine I have to be here, and at, at four I have to be there. So this is the only time I have to do it. You schedule your, your work better if, you, if you've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I was just talking to another of our uh, former interviewees, Amy, and she said her favorite phrase is, if you need something done, ask a busy person to do it. Oh, really? Because busy, yeah, because busy people get things done because they, they, they know they have to. And so they find a way. I think that you and Amy and me are all still working on an American schedule. <laughs> Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did go off there for a while, and I had a couple of years in my expat life, let's say maybe like year three to year four or five, in which I didn't do very much. I'll be completely honest. And I, I don't know if I've shared with our listeners that I'm writing a book. I think I have. I actually just started my second. But, um, you know, that's my long-term dream is to become a published writer for young readers, and sometimes I think, man, you know, why didn't I start writing back when I worked three hours a day as a tour guide? <laughs> you know, but I, I think I wouldn't have been able to do it if I had started back then because I didn't have the fire under me that being busy and having like, you know, three million things going on, having the day job, having the tour guiding, having, you know, some freelance writing projects, an app and this and a podcast, you know, I think activity is so good for you. Obviously, I'm not talking about excessive to the point in which you're burning out. So not that. I'm not saying that everyone has to be a workaholic. But having a lot of things going on, it gives you a lot of inspiration, first of all, and a lot of ideas. You know, you feel good when you're accomplishing things. It cannot but make you feel good. And feeling good, obviously, is, is good for you. So <laughs> it's a self-perpetuating thing. The more you do, the more you want to do. Whereas, I mean, I'm sure everyone in the world 
can remember a time, a day in which, you know, they had something to do and the more they put it off and the more they put it off, the less they wanted to do it. The more you sit and read or watch a video or call your friend and don't work, you just get filled with loathing and you end up not doing it at all. That makes sense. It's especially different. Well, maybe it's not especially different, but if you're a person who's doing something that's of a creative nature, I think that it's true that actually doing the creative stuff is what's going to keep you doing the meetings. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I had that same sort of experience recently because I had finished my book. I had finished the revision process, which as any writer knows, is like harder than the, you know, writing actually, the revising is, is much worse. I finally finished the revision process and I started the process of sending the manuscript out and trying to get a literary agent but I wasn't doing any creating at all. And I realized, because every time I got a rejection, I just got so, I mean, everyone can, uh, can surely relate to this, but getting a rejection is terrible. But I think because I wasn't at the same time creating anything, it was much worse for me. And so I've, I'm still submitting, but now I'm starting a sequel. And I feel a hundred times better. Yeah, because... All the busyness is not what you're actually after. The busyness of submitting is not why you got into writing. No, and that's not the good kind of busyness. Right. I mean, it is. It's, it's necessary work, and you can feel good after doing it, just like you feel good after you get a load of laundry done, because you've done what you need to do, and that feels good. But it's not the same feeling as just having, you know, nailed that scene that has been so hard, or just having got a great interview the sweet stuff, obviously, is the is the creating part for people who are in that field. Yeah. The one other thing that strikes me that about this whole freelancing process is, for me at least, has been sort of soul crushing, which I think you can relate to, is spending so much time promoting yourself to other people. Just about the most empty work I can think of doing because it gets you in that mental cycle of you have to be all the time. Look at me. Look at me. Look at what amazing things I'm doing. You want to work with me. You want to read my book. You want to do these things. But at the same point, just trying to garner attention to yourself is, I don't know, it's just not interesting work. It's not putting anything out there in the world that people benefit from. It's all about your own ego and getting people to look at you. You know, well, maybe it's not even ego, I, but... I, I agree and I disagree because I do think that if you have something positive to, that you're putting out there, let's say it's your blog or, and this some, and you know, or this podcast and you promote yourself and then someone finds it, they're going to get something from that. Hopefully. I mean, maybe they don't, but you know, they're going to get something from that. So it's not like, it feels like it's all about you, but Obviously, other people are getting something out of it. Otherwise, why would, you wouldn't be doing it. You and I don't create this podcast to just hang out. We no, <laughs> we get put it out there because we think uh, the expat lifestyle is an interesting conversation, and we want it to be a community of expats who listen, who uh, can both relate and contribute ideas of stuff to us. How you get those people to know that you're there is the challenging part. And that sometimes can feel like an endless promotion. That uh... it does feel endless. It I ha I try to, as you know, sometimes like, you know, send out a whole bunch of tweets, 
in a day about this podcast and about my blog. And sometimes I'm really good about it and I'll, I'll get up early and I'll sit down at the computer and I'll schedule, you know, maybe not 15, but let's say eight or 10 tweets to go out during the day. And you look at the clock and an hour has gone by and, you know, all you have done is set up tweets. It's, it's really, it's really, yeah, it's really soul crushing until you realize that there are people out there who all they do is do promotion on social media. That's their job. And it's actually, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a legitimate job now. Probably most big companies have a social media manager, and that's their job. And so that should tell you that it's not easy. If it, if it takes someone their whole entire work day, every day to do, clearly somebody who's also creating the product shouldn't be expected to be able to do as much. Right. So give yourself a break is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and it's very likely that I don't have a social media plan. My more my more worry is I am totally making all my friends on Facebook block me, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're not blocking you. They're so sick of hearing about the bittersweet life. They can't stand it anymore. I remember actually being in the radio industry and having being in a meeting. I was the lead producer of a two hour daily show. So you can imagine the amount of work that took and how many people you had to direct you know so the show was pulled off and I was sitting in a meeting with some higher-ups and they looked at me and they said well what is your social media strategy and I said what do you mean what is my social media strategy isn't that your job I'm a radio pr producer my job is to get the show on the air I need somebody else to come up with the social media strategy you know because that's not what I do that's not my expertise yeah well that's a sad thing that it's this in this world we live in creative people are now expected, if they don't have the money to, to hire someone else, they're expected to be social media experts and have the time. You don't have time to do that. I mean, you can try, you can do it a little bit, but that is a full-time job. And you were right to say that. Uh, the only thing is when you're freelancing, you don't have a team of people that you can delegate social media to. You, it's you. Where is my team? I know, I know. Then there's that whole other debate about, I like doing podcasts and f types of radio shows that can't appear on the, on the air. Mm -hmm. Right now, nobody knows, well, some people know, a lot of people are trying to figure out, how do you make money doing podcasting? And right now, generally speaking, the answer is, mm, you probably won't. Mm -hmm. But it takes so much time to do a podcast putting those pieces together too so at the same time you're not only trying to promote yourself you're trying to figure out how do I make enough money to do this for a living so that you can put out all these ideas which I guess is essentially trying to come up with a business plan and that's a whole nother thing I'm a radio person I'm not a business not person. a business yeah well that's the thing if you you know it used to be if you wrote a book your publishing house would deal with promoting it it's not like that anymore Unless you're some mega star, you have to do all the promoting yourself. If you're a freelancer, you have to do your own accounting, if you know, unless you can afford someone to do it for you. You have to do your business planning. You have to have, it's like you have to have 10 different jobs. And you have to be it's a just, web designer. <laughs> that's another thing. <laughs> you have to be a web designer. I have a podcast, or I mean, I have a blog that hopefully some of you have read. It's called The Pines of Rome. I'm really proud of the content, but it looks so amateur. 
I guess some things you do have to pay for, and that's going to be something that I'm just going to have to pay, pay somebody to, to fix it for me. Just, you know, I can't do that. Well, there are a lot of things that I would like to pay for, but it circles back to that question of how do you get paid in the first place so you can hire the people that will, can do the stuff I to know, make you in a better position. <laughs> You're telling me my blog, I mean, I refuse to buy advertising. I'm not doing the blog for profit. I do the blog because I really enjoy sharing what I love about Rome. I, if I hadn't started that blog, I don't know if I would have the job that I have now. But on the other hand, it's like, how much am I going to put into this? without making any cash out of it. And it's the same problem we're having with this podcast, frankly. Yep. Because yep. there are some people that donated, but the time that it takes me to edit all our conversations and put it all together, you know, I'm making pennies for it. And so even if it's a passion project in my heart, eventually you have to do something that makes you money. Otherwise, I'm going to be having to move out of my apartment. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That is and that's obvious. And it's, it's terrible, but it, it is just the way that it is. But on the other hand, just like my blog, which doesn't make me a single penny, has led me to things that, that didn't have made me money, I think the same could be true of the podcast. I don't think that's impossible. It's not impossible. <laughs> <laughs> don't look so tragic. Oh, well, on that I think note, we need to leave it there. Leave it on that low note. <laughs> on that very low note, we will leave it there. Sounding terribly disheartened. No, I, I, I don't. Yeah. What was the what was the conclusion of our talk on freelancing? If you have a job, keep it for God's sake and don't <laughs> freelance. Is that our advice to you? No, but maybe that it's an ongoing process. I actually hope if you are a freelancer and you're listening Send us an email and let us know what tricks work for you to keep you going. Also, Maybe that would be helpful. if you're a social media genius and mm. you're listening, send us some tips on how to promote successfully because we are total amateurs. And for God's sake, please tell your friends about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't beg. All right, it makes us right, sound then. desperate. No, I know. I was just kidding. It was drama. <laughs> that was drama. You know. I know. I was being sarcastic. A little flair. Anyway, we will leave it there, and uh, I guess as far as we plan, we'll uh, talk to you next week. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Bye. We welcome your questions and your feedback. Reach the show by emailing bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at mail.com.